Well, good morning to each and every one of you. It's so good to look out and see so many of you sitting here on site today. And a shout out welcome to those of you who have joined us online. And a shout out welcome to our many guests across the nation of Canada and around the world. Well, we've been in touch with our health officials in Ottawa and with our ward counselor. And uh, they've said that I need to wear my mask when I'm on site, but they now say I don't have to wear a mask when I'm on this platform. I'm like 35 feet away from you. And uh, so it's kind of good. I, I could put my mask down. Isn't that great? Amen. Well, I want you to stand. I want to lead us in prayer before we come to God's Word. How many people are glad to be in the house this morning? Come on, are you glad to be in the house? It is so exciting to see each one of you. Let's just lift our hands to the heavens. Father God, thank you for all that you're doing in this place. Thank you for all that you're doing in this church. And we just pray that there would be a mighty outpouring of Holy Spirit. We pray that there would be revival in this church, in this city, and across the nation of Canada. I pray for everyone standing here today that has a need. Would there be healing in their bodies in the name of Jesus? We pray, God, for those that are watching online right now that have disease in their body. We ask healing in the name of Jesus. We pray, God, that you would set people free. We pray that you would be our provider, our healer, our deliverer. We pray that you would be our baptizer. And we thank you, God, for what you're doing. Continue the great work, Lord, and we now give you the glory, the honor, the praise in Jesus' name. Nobody whispered. Everybody shouted, amen. Come on, put your hands together and celebrate our Lord. Amen. Amen. Are you ready for God's word? Amen. Well, take a seat. I want to talk to you today in our uncomfortable series. And we're basing this uncomfortable series from the book of of Acts chapter 2, verse 42, down to verse 47. And we're exploring the themes of worship, discipleship, fellowship, ministry, and evangelism. And last Sunday, we looked at the theme of uncomfortable worship. And we were reminded that worship is way more than a song that we sing. It's the life that we live. And although we can't come and sing, we're not going to let that stop us from coming. We're going to come and we're going to worship. And we had worship and song, worship and giving, worship in the word, worship and prayer. Well, today, I want to talk to you from Acts chapter 2, verse 42, where it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, if you look at the screen, I added the word continually because in the original Greek, it actually reads, they were continually, continually devoting themselves. It says to the apostles' teaching, which comes from the Greek word didasko, which actually means the doctrine. Now, get that, get that in your spirit. They were always devoting themselves to the doctrine, to, to what the Bible says, to what the Bible teaches. And I want to declare right now, it's so important that we are firmly convicted in what we believe. Amen? If we're not convicted in what we believe, it's going to negatively affect how we behave because your belief determines your behavior. And your behavior determines what you become. It affects your decisions in life. So we've got to sort out in our conviction, in our heart of God's word on the doctrine. And the early church were devoting themselves to the apostles' doctrine. I want to take you to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 down to verse 5. And I want to tell you, I see these verses happening right now in North America. And it's not freaking me out, but it's concerning me. And I want to warn us as, as believers, let's be aware. Paul said, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. It's the same Greek word, didasko. It's the same Greek word. So when, when, when it says in Acts chapter 2, they're devoted to the apostles' doctrine, Paul said the day's going to come when people will not put up 
with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they're going to gather around them a great number of teachers who will say what their itching ears want to hear. The original Greek says tickling of the ears. In North America, people want their ears tickled. They want to hear what they want to hear. And and we've abandoned sound doctrine. The Bible says in the last days that will happen. Look at verse 4. They will turn their ears away from the truth. Not a truth, the truth. Everybody say the truth. One, two, three. The truth. That truth speaks of absolute truth. Absolute truth means it's true at all times. Are you with me today, friends? Truth is truth that is true at all times. Nobody, nobody can say, wow, wow, I've got a new truth. There's no new truth. Truth is always truth. You've just discovered what always was. And the Bible says they're going to turn their ears from the truth and turn aside to myths, to fables. But he said, but you keep your head in all situations. Church, let's keep our head in all situations. Let's not be deceived. I mean, deception has always got truth to it, but there's enough truth that you fall for it. May the church not be deceived. Amen. He says, endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. And so today, I want to discharge all the duties of my ministry. I want to talk to you today about truth. I want to talk to you today about doctrine. I want to talk to you today about worldviews. Let me take you through our notes. First of all, I want to talk to you for a few moments about worldviews. And I'm going, to, I'm going to give you, in a couple of moments, six secular worldviews that I don't want you to fall for. And you're going to hear them go, well, that's not in my life. But sometimes there's a bit of it in our life. Sometimes we compartmentalize our lives. Sometimes we have this at work, this at church, this at home, and this when we're out with our friends. So six of these are secular. One of them is sacred. So let's get right to it. Number one, write this in your notes, materialism. Materialism really says the one who gets the most toys wins. It's when you determine your value on your valuables. It's when you mix up your self-worth with your net worth. And we're in a culture today that get, 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 get. The more I have, the more I feel good about myself. But the kingdom of God is not about what you get. The kingdom of God is about what you give. Amen? And so let's not be dubbed by the worldview that's thrown at you in the media and, and everywhere about materialism. Okay, number two, individualism or narcissism. You ever heard the word narcissism? And a narcissistic person, someone who's individualistic, I've got to think of me first. It's, what, it's about me more than anything. In other words, I don't care how this affects my marriage. This is about me. I'm going to walk out. I don't care if my actions are going to affect my kids. It's about me. I don't care if what I do at work is going to negatively affect my colleague. It's about me. It's all about self. It's all about you and your needs. Individualism. Oh, God, help us to not be focused on ourselves. Amen? We're here to serve one another. Amen? And so let's guard ourselves from narcissism. Number three, hedonism. Hedonism says do whatever feels good. If it feels good, it must be right. If it feels bad... It must be wrong. And society is throwing at you hedonism all the time. And my concern is that believers of Jesus are being dubbed and deceived by hedonism. My concern is that born-again believers are drifting from the truth, and there's a theological doctrinal drift to get away from what the Word of God says. Church, it's not about if it feels good. It's about is it right or wrong. Somebody say amen today. Let's watch out for hedonism. And then number four, pragmatism. Pragmatism is whatever works for you. If that's your thing, 
that's good for you. In other words, it's relativism. In other words, in other words, you decide your own rule of God. You make up your own life rules. You make up your own guidelines of morality. Church, it doesn't work that way. We cannot make up our own what works for us. The Bible says there's a way that appears right, but in the end, it leads to death. And then there's number five, naturalism or atheism. You'll be hard-pressed to have anybody tell you they're an atheist, but an atheist says God doesn't matter, nothing matters, there's no God, and if, if God doesn't matter, you don't matter. It's like they think it's a big bang and we showed up. And I, I tease people, I say, I believe in the big bang theory, but not the way the atheist believes. I believe God showed it and said, let there be light, and bang, there was light. There's power in the word of God. Do you believe that today? But there's a, there's a growing swell of naturalism and atheism. And number six is a big one, humanism. Humanism says, I'm my own God. I, it's, I'm in charge of my life. I determine my life. It's all about me. I'm in charge. I'm the master of my fate. I determine my own destiny. Humanism is so prevalent. So we very briefly touched on materialism, narcissism, hedonism, pragmatism, naturalism, and humanism. They are the secular worldviews, and there's many more secular worldviews, but here's my concern. Look this way, hear me. Whether you're on site or online, these views have swept into churches, and believers are falling for the trap of humanism. Believers are falling for the trap of pragmatism. Believers are creating their own doctrine to justify their actions. We gotta be careful. So let me take you to number seven. This is theism. And theism comes from the Greek word theo, which means God. Theology means the study of God. And the truth is God made you and God made me for his purpose. Let me read Colossians 1:16. For in him all things were created, things in heaven, on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or powers, rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. And so your worldview is the lens that you look at life at. It's like the frame of my glasses. I'm wearing my glasses when I'm wearing my mask this morning. It fogged up. Got to find a solution for that. And I'm lost without my glasses. This is the frame. This is the lens of how I look at life. And your worldview is the lens of how you look at life, how you, how you make decisions, how you go about your life. We need to make sure, church, that the absolute truth, the frame of our lens is the God lens. Can anyone say amen this morning? That we live our life through the lens and the frame of God's word. Let me walk you through number two. Let me talk to you for a few moments about two common myths about worldviews, and I hear them all the time. The first one is the sincerity myth, and here's what I hear all the time. It really doesn't matter what I believe or what you believe as long as you're sincere about it. Now, let that sink in for a moment. You can believe something sincerely, but you can be sincerely wrong, right? We could, we could, we could just get in a plane and say, I don't need a parachute. I don't believe in gravity. I sincerely don't believe in gravity, and I jump out of the plane with no parachute. Um, I'm sincerely wrong, and there's going to be a consequence, right? And so sincerity is not enough. And there's many people who sincerely believe something, but they are sincerely wrong. The second myth concerns me greatly, and I hear it way too often. It's the situational myth. It's the, it's, it's the myth where 
it really doesn't matter what I believe because it all depends on the circumstance. And we, we, we create a situational ethic depending on our circumstance and we create a theology to justify our wrongful actions. Example, I believe that the Bible teaches tithing. I really believe that, 10%. I just believe that's the way it is. Whether I've got lots of money or little money, we still give 10%. But sometimes people will say, well, you know what? I don't have a lot of money, so I don't have to tithe. And I don't believe that that's the right way to look at life. We create our own situational ethic. Or two people who say, I love each other, we're gonna get married anyway, so we'll just live together. And yet, we justify it. We try to justify our thinking based on our situation. And we gotta guard ourselves from situational ethics. Let me walk you through number three. Let me tell you why your worldview matters. Why does your worldview matter? Number one, it shapes my life. It honestly does. I mean, if my belief determines my behavior, that will determine who I become. I mean, my worldview shapes every decision that I make, every decision, how I live my life, what I do, how I act. It shapes my life, and I have to be so careful of that. Bible says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Let me take you to number two. And I know this is true because I see it all the time as a pastor. If I have a faulty worldview, it's gonna cause all kinds of unnecessary problems in my life. I know that God puts parameters not to harm us, but to protect us. And then I've learned that if you got a faulty worldview, it's gonna create all kinds of problems. But then there's number three so that I can explain it to others. I mean, church, we gotta know what we believe so when someone asks us what we believe, we can tell them what we believe and why we believe it. There's a verse in 1 Peter 3.15. It says, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Here's what I struggle with. Many followers of Jesus can't explain why they believe and what they believe. So I'm calling you and I'm calling me to continually devote ourselves to the doctrine of God's word. Let's be people who know what we believe and why we believe it so we can share what we believe. Now stay with me. I'm walking you on an intentional journey. I want to share with you number four, how to strengthen your worldview. How can you strengthen the frame? Number one, learn the truth. I don't know if you saw the little Facebook clip I gave on Friday in my office. I showed my bookshelf. And if you walk in my office, I've got thousands of books. I am a bookworm. Turn to your neighbor and say, our pastor is a bookworm. I'm a bookworm. I love to read. Lots of books. Lots, lots, la, 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 lots of books. But there's no book in my library that's a replacement for God's word. Can I, can I hear an amen this morning? Come on, there's no book in my library or any book you have that's a replacement for God's word, amen? Read it, read it. Don't let me be your feeding post. Do not let Sunday morning be the only time that you crack open a Bible. Do not let Sunday morning be the only time that you hear God's word. Read it systematically. Read it from Genesis to Revelation. Don't just read the Gospels. Don't just read the book of Psalm. Read Chronicles, yes. Read Nehemiah, yes. 
Read Daniel, yes. Read all the books in the Bible. It is life-giving. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. The word of God is spiritual food for your soul. And especially in this coronavirus season, you need to spiritually feed on the word of God. Can I hear a little amen? Praise the Lord, hallelujah in the house today. You gotta learn the truth. Learn the truth. Number two, discern, discern what is false. How do you know when something is false? You match it with the truth. When I was in Bible college, anytime I had a teacher, we called him Brother Rogers. Our, our, our male teachers were called brother and our female teachers were called sister. And Brother Rogers taught the Pentateuch. And I remember we'd put up our hand and we'd say, hey, Brother Rogers, I wanna say something. He'd say, chapter and verse. In other words, if you couldn't back it up on the word of God, it's just your opinion. And so you've got to discern what is false. Look what it says in 1 John 4, 1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And he goes on to talk about the spirit of the Antichrist. Now I'm going to share, you, share with you in a few moments some things that are happening in North America that are concerning me that I don't want you and I to be deceived by, but we have to discern what is false. Number one, learn to discern. Three, turn from the world to the words. How do you change yourself? Not from the outside inward, but from the inside outward. He says, do not, Paul said, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. But you gotta turn from the world to the word. And then number four, you gotta concern yourself you got to concern yourself with God's agenda. God's agenda, not man's agenda, but God's agenda. He said, seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. And so church, if you've been tracking with me today, there's worldviews, hedonism, pragmatism, atheism, narcissism, materialism. Can we make sure that we are not dubbed and deceived by those? Amen? Can we make sure that our frame is theism, that our lens is God's word? Can we make sure that we're not caught in this relative truth that always shifts and changes, but we would be living on absolute truth because the word of God has not changed? Can, can I have a little witness in the house today? Has the word of God ever changed? No. Boys and girls, moms and dads, grandmas, grandpas, young people, adults, is the word of God true at all times? Can someone say amen to that? Come on, is the word of God true at all times? All times, all times. Line up your actions with the word of God. Make sure that you're firm in your beliefs. You need to hear me, because I'm gonna walk you through something in a couple of moments, that if you're not firm in your beliefs, you're gonna be deceived. If you're not convicted in what you believe, you're going to be deceived. The Bible says in the last days that there will not just be an outpouring of a revival, there will also be a falling away. And I don't know how to blend those two things, but I'm telling you right now, today, I'm talking to you about not being deceived. This is not the time for the church to go on mute. This is the time for the church to unmute and stand for the truth of the word of God. We cannot allow ourselves to be deceived. We cannot allow ourselves to take on these secular world views. We can't. We can't. We must have the view that is sacred of theism, of God.
Let him be the center of our life because we have to know what we believe and it affects how we behave. All right, I wanna take you to number five and I've said all this so I can tell you what I wanna share with you right now. Two biblical beliefs that are being attacked. Now, on Canada Day service, the Sunday before Canada Day, I had so many people tell me it was so powerful. Many people love the fact that we publicly together read out loud all the scriptures that are on Parliament Building. Anybody glad that there's 15 scriptures on Parliament Building? Come on, man, I'm pumped, I'm thrilled. I'm, come on, I'm excited. And one of the scriptures that we publicly read, publicly read is 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. Be on your guard, stand firm in your faith, be courageous, and be strong. And for a couple of moments, I wanna to talk to you about two things that are greatly being attacked that the church needs to be awake on. Number one, number one, please hear me, the sanctity of life. The sanctity of life. The sanctity of life. And I wanna declare up front that as a church and as your pastor, we affirm all human life is a gift of God and it needs to be respected and protected in all stages from conception to natural death. Is there a little shout of amen in this place today? Come on, is there a little shout of amen? Did you know that there is no criminal law in Canada regulating or prohibiting abortion? Uh, just let me say that one more time because I think many Christians didn't know this. There's no criminal law in Canada regulating or prohibiting abortion. But that's in Canada. So in practice, it can be legally carried out during all nine months of pregnancy. In practice. That's Canada. It's Canada. There's over 100,000 abortions carried out every year. The unborn child cannot speak for themselves. The church must unmute. The church must unmute and raise their voice and say that the pre-born life matters. Come on, is there a little witness in the place today? We've got to. We have to. Now, let me go to the other end of it. Well, let me just say a few things before I move on. Healthcare workers are not protected from being required or coerced in participation in abortions. Several provinces in Canada have adopted a policy that doctors must provide an effective referral for the abortion procedure, even when it violates their deeply held belief. But let's go to the other end. The other end of it is assisted death, and you know that's happening in Canada. But did you know that right now, right now in Canada, the debate is, should assisted death just be for those that are close to death, or can it be for others who aren't even close to death? Here's the deal. Here's where Canada's going, unless people rise up and speak. The day will come in Canada that someone can have assisted death even if they're not close to death. And that concerns me. Even assisted death concerns me when someone is near death. I'm telling you, church, I'm telling you that in the midst of the coronavirus, in the midst of this season of coronavirus, all Canada's attention is on the coronavirus. But right now, these are the hot potatoes of things that are being discussed and debated. And the church needs to stand tall on the lens of God's word. Somebody say amen. So I know there's children in the auditorium, so I'm really guarding my words. 
But number two, the sanctity of marriage. Number two, the sanctity of marriage. And I don't know if you know this, but right now in the province of Alberta, right now in the province of Alberta, in cities, right now, right now, it's been approved that there's something that's called conversion therapy. I don't know if you've ever heard this. I'm not talking about shockwave treatment. I'm not talking about people drinking stuff to throw up, but it's, it's, it's conversion therapy is all about saying to someone that, that, that God can't change your life for you to choose the sexuality that God created you in. So here's where it's going. You just need to hear me. Here's where it's going. Right now, there are cities in Alberta that have voted, and I want to read this so that you, you could hear this. The unthinkable is happening in our free society. Our right to believe and share our beliefs with others is quickly evaporating before our very eyes. A ban on conversion has already come into law in major cities across Canada. If it hasn't come to your city yet, it likely won't be long. This means that I, as your pastor, cannot say that Jesus can change your life from a choice that is outside of God's preferred sexuality. I'm guarding my words because there's children, but you know what I'm talking about. So this is where it's going. The conversion therapy law now applies to churches and a range of activities that can be punished with a $10,000 fine and two to five years in jail. You didn't know that's happening, did you? And that's happening right here in the nation of Canada, right here. I'm not saying this for any other reason than I mean it. As your pastor, my lens is not gonna be a secular lens. My lens is gonna be a God lens. Could the day come that your church board has to put in their budget a line item that says fines and bail money for our pastor? Because I am not going to stay quiet. Jesus still changes lives. I'm standing on the word of God. And most of you watching right now online, and most of you sitting here today, you need to go to the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada website. We support them. And they have more great in-depth stuff about what I've just shared. But it's real. It feels like society has become so secular that the foundations that we have had our country raised on, which are Christian foundations, have been aborted. This is not the time for the church to be silent. This is for the time for the church to rise up and speak the truth of God's word. One of our board members sitting here today sent me something yesterday. It's on Fox News, right in China, China. They've just opened up the churches in China. They just opened them up. But they said to these churches, you can open up not to praise, not to worship your God, but you've got to raise the flag of China. You've got to sing the anthem of China. And you've got to pay homage to the president of China. And you need to say they've done a great job dealing with the coronavirus. And they even say they're stepping into their churches and removing their Christian symbols. They're taking over the country and calling China to stop saying the name Jesus. 
Yesterday, I got out my Bible and I turned in my Bible to the book of Daniel. Does it sound familiar? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel's friends. If you don't bow down to King Nebuchadnezzar, we're going to throw you into the fiery furnace. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, I'm not going to bow down to anyone other than our God. So they threw them in the fiery furnace, but yay, hallelujah, there was another in the fire. I tell you, church, this is the time for the church to say, I'm not going to be silent. I am not going to bow down to some man or some person. I'm going to stand on the word of God. I'm calling you, church, to stand on the living word of our living gods. May we have the courage of Daniel. May we have the boldness of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Church, I'm telling you, the hope for the nation of Canada is Jesus Christ. And may we never allow in our nation for anyone to stop us from saying Jesus is the answer to our country. May we stand unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And my concern in the midst of the coronavirus, in the midst of all that is happening, that we're putting all of our attention, well, I can't come to church because i got to wear a mask, and, you know, we can't sing. And, and there's lots of great reasons, and I, I'm just trying to say to you, all of our attention is focusing on stuff that is so minor. We need to be more concerned about the big rocks, the big concerns, the big issues. What if the day comes that the government removes the charitable status from the church? What if the day comes if the government says, because you are saying this, and promoting this. What if the day comes, what if the day comes in our generation that they truly act upon declaring that this book, the Bible, is hate literature? What if the day comes that our charitable status is lifted? What if we can't get a tax receipt anymore for our giving to the church? I'll tell you, friends, may we never stay silent. May we never, while I'm on my watch, while I'm still alive, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to stand strong and tall for Jesus. And I'm calling you, friends, do not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. May the church never go on mute. Is there a witness in the house today? May the church never be ashamed. So let me take you back to where I began. And I want to invite you to stand. And Pastor Brad, if you would come and join me on the platform, would you stand with me? Would you stand? It's so important that we know what we believe. It's so important that we are so convicted in what we believe. And I'm calling you, church, and I'm inviting you, church, to let your godly convictions be so in you that what you believe dictates how you behave. Because if what you believe dictates how you behave, it will be determined who you become. And if your view of life is secular, you're going to make decisions that aren't honoring to God. If your view is secular, when the heat comes on and the pressure comes on, and I never thought 
in my generation of pastoring, we'd be walking through what we're walking through, but we are. If your conviction isn't strong, you won't have the anointing of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You won't have the anointing of Daniel. Daniel said, throw me in the lion's den. Throw me in. God will protect me. I want your convictions to be so God-centered that you will say, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. So church, we can't sing, oh well. I can still stand on the platform and say, Jesus. Come on, can you say that name with me, Jesus? Come on, one, two, three, Jesus. Come on, you're you're at home right now, join us. Let's say it again, one, two, three, Jesus. Come on, put your hands together and celebrate the most majestic, wonderful name. Know what you believe. Get convicted about what you believe. Do not drift from the sound doctrine. Do not go about wanting to have your ears tickled. Stand strong on the word of God. It's true and it changes not. Come on, put your hands together and celebrate our Lord. I want to pray for you today. Father God, I thank you for this amazing church. I really believe, God, I've been obedient to share what you wanted me to share today. In the midst of all that's happening in the nation of Canada, help us, God, to stand strong and tall for the truth of the word of God. Jesus, you still change lives. Amen. Marriage is still meant to be between a biological man and a biological woman. We stand on that in the name of the Lord. And we pray, God, in the name of Jesus, that we would never be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray, God, that our our beliefs, our beliefs would determine our behavior. And I pray, God, what we become is who you want us to be with the lens of your word. I pray, God, for anyone in this house right now or anyone that's watching online that's never asked you in their heart that right now they would ask you to be their per- you to be their personal Lord and Savior. So thank you, God. We love you. We praise you. Help us, God, to stand on guard, on guard for thee. We love you, Jesus. We don't lift up any other name than the name of Jesus. So bless these wonderful people. In Jesus' name, everybody shout.